This podcast will not have an official number because it's a best of Garage Logic of the week following the 4th of July. However, we will be action packed for your audio entertainment. And what we've chosen, of course, it's brought to you by Fred Lonis Ace Hardware and Garden Stores. Visit them for all of your summer needs. And also by Aquaside Pellets. Clear your lake of horrible weeds with the wonderful pellets at Aquaside. Aquaside Pellets. We also are going to have uh, little snid, uh, little tidbits. This one is from a positive Thursday. This was in January where we talked to the one of the guys that was uh, rowing through the Drake Passage. There's a little bit prior to that. There's a little bit of buildup. Um, it was uh, there was an event, snow event canceled, and uh, Joe will talk about that briefly, and then we'll get to the gist of it. But a great best of, uh, also uh, bad lake names in this podcast, just because it's Fourth of July and you may have been on the lake. Bad lake names, and I don't have any ice out dates. I don't have any uh, the high low today. We're just going right to it. Let's get to it. Hit it there, uh, Tony. And now from the mayor's office above the boathouse on the east shore of Spoon Lake. It's Garage Logic with Rookie on Production, Chris Reavers, Director of Social Media, John Hyde in the newsroom, and occasionally Kenny from the Krabby Coffee Shop. Here is your flashlight king, fireworks commissioner, and keeper of common sense, your mayor, Joe Sushiman. This is positive Thursday. It is. Yeah. It's positive Thank you to Mike Schoonover. Do you know who's joining us today? Andrew Town of Minneapolis. Andrew was one of the team of six who rowed, as in rowing a boat. R-O-W-E-D. He rowed from Cape Horn to Antarctica. 600 miles in 13 days. There will be, there's already Discovery Channel and YouTube uh, video, but a uh, documentary by the Discovery Channel will be available in the fall. And uh, uh, be prepared to uh, feel inadequate, (laughs) (laughs) terribly inadequate when you hear this fellow. Say a ray of hope. I have a ray of hope. Still looking. As long as it's positive Thursday. The annual snowball fight at the University of British Columbia has been canceled. Huh. Well, that's not a ray of hope. Well, the ray of hope is that they have an annual snowball fight. Why did they cancel this one? I actually know. I saw the story. Mm -hmm. Lack of snow, I'm hoping. Nope. They had a snowstorm. Oh. (laughs) What? (laughs) Too much snow. (laughs) Didn't we have the deal up in Duluth that was canceled? The snow? Was it the snow cross? Yeah. I love when outward bound classes get closed, too, because of too much snow. (laughs) An annual winter event meant to help students get outside and de-stress. has been postponed due to snow. (laughs) The University of British Columbia plays host to a campus-wide snowball fight in Vancouver each year, but a snowstorm caused organizers to put off the frosty night. In a Facebook post, those who organized the battle plan, that's a ray of hope, uh, said the event was moved to Thursday, next Thursday. Classes were canceled. Well, maybe it was yesterday. I don't know. What the hell's date? What was the date on this story? Don't tell me I got an old one. Probably three years ago. <laughs> January 15th, 1992. 
No, I'm kidding. <laughs> it was dated yesterday. So the snowball fight was moved to today. Oh. Uh, classes were canceled at uh, the school's Point Grey campus as well as at other post-secondary schools in the area due to poor weather conditions. The snowball fight will take over the main mall between Sauter and Chemistry buildings. Whether you breeze through syllabus week, took an extended vacation, or are, or are already submitting papers. We think it's time for a break between classes. What better way to celebrate an early snowfall than one of our favorite campus traditions? Organizers expected thousands to attend the ultimate battle and joked oh. it was the perfect chance to rally against that person in lecture who states things in the form of questions, provide some payback for that friend who, that forgot your secret Santa gift, or stand up to the roommates that stole your leftovers from the fridge. Those who want to take part in the serious snow showdown are asked to line up on either side of the mall at 12.15 p.m. The next 15 minutes are gathering ammo, another ray of hope, and the first snowballs fly at 12.30. <laughs> well, you know what? That wouldn't happen here. No, no, no absolutely no, 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 no. This, that's, that's fantastic. Too, too that's a dangerous. ray of hope. Well, wait a minute. It wait, It did happen last year. Didn't the two mayors have a... Oh, I think snow. you're right, Kenny. Snowball that was more fight. like a snowflake they fight. They threw it like this. Yeah, <laughs> snowflake. Here. You're schmoopy. No, you're schmoopy. Come on. Come on. Let's hug it out. What's the weather up there right now? I mean, is it is it warm? Because we're going to need wet snow for this. Well, Moving Vancouver to, is... Uh, we can't do this if it's 10 below. Vancouver is damn near tropical compared to here. Okay, so we do, probably do have wet snow. Mm-hmm. All right. We have a big snowstorm coming for the yes, we do. Minnesota this weekend, don't we, John? We do. Don't we, John? We, we do, Joe. Uh, six to ten inches of snow possible here, and maybe a foot just north of the Twin Cities. That's actually my lead story in my news. Vancouver, 37 in snow showers, but for the rest of the week, it's uh, mid-30s. Why don't you do some news right now? Right there, because we're expecting our guests. Here's the, uh, in all candidness. What's the lineup, bro? In all, in yeah. all. Uh, When's he going to be here? When's he walking you through the doors? You full disclosure so guy, you. I'm a full disclosure guy. We interviewed Andrew yesterday. After the conclusion of the program. After the conclusion of yesterday's show that featured John Abraham, and Andrew was only available yesterday. Mm-hmm. He's a busy guy. So we had him in here, and we pre-recorded this. How did it happen that we ended up with two guests in one day, Well, Mr. Uh, Chief Producer and so Mr. Show? I did not know. I was I was out on Tuesday. Okay, and I you did not, did not know I had successfully got John Abraham to agree to come in here. And I had reached out to uh, Andrew weeks ago whenever we found out. That we the, first the saw the story on December 30, and that day I said to you, find this man. Yes, and it took a while because he, he I don't think he got back to the States until... Maybe a week ago. Yep. And then he finally reached out and said, I'd love to come on, but uh, I can't talk yet. But once I can, I think it was because of the contract he had with Discovery Channel. That and he might have still been exhausted. Well, probably, yeah. yeah. So he said, I can come in on Wednesday. And I said, great, not knowing that you had already booked a guest for that I think the lesson there is maybe you give the old mayor a little call. Yeah, probably. (laughs) Hey, what you got going there, Joel? Keep keep in touch. I've got one more. Well, let's time this out. Because we need a Johnny newscast. Timer out for me, Johnny. So uh, I want to give you one more ray of hope. You sounded like Patrick there. Hey, uh, well, that's that's back a, time timer out the, for uh, 7 o'clock. We uh, put her on the right. I am on the access channel. Why don't you back time this and tell me what I have? I wiggled the cord, as he likes to say. Let me, let me say this. Okay. Let me say this. <laughs> let me say this. We're gonna, uh, I'm, I'm going to give you one more ray of hope. Uh-huh. Okay. We're going to take a break. Sure. 
Then we're going to have a Johnny Height newscast. Oh, you got a plan going here. And then we're going to take a break. Okay. And then we're going to have Andrew Town. Okay. And you really call your, call your friends and relatives. What am I talking about? It's a podcast. You aren't a, even hearing me say yeah. this yet. It's <laughs> <laughs> a radio habits are hard to break, aren't it they, It really Joe? is, but you're yeah. going to love this guy. Really. It's just, and again, be prepared to feel underwhelmed, terribly inadequate. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. But what a nice guy, too. Yeah, well, I, let, me, guy. let me shut up. I have another ray of hope. Yep. Well, can I have it, please? Here's today's ray of hope. <laughs> Bob Vollmer. I'm, I'm going gonna, uh, gonna to mention this, and I'm going to give you all a little quiz. God damn it. Bob Vollmer, Indiana's oldest state employee at the age yeah. of 102. Did you see this? Yeah, I did. Do you have it in your news? I do. That's all right, though. Go ahead. Is retiring after nearly six decades on the job. His last day as a surveyor for the Indiana Department of Natural Resources will be Feb 6. Your body tells you when it's time to go, he told WXIN-TV. <laughs> Doctors tell me that's one of the reason I'm still going. I got good lungs. The World War II vet joined the agency in 1962 and still travels the state collecting technical field data and confirming boundary lines for the DNR-managed properties. He was inspired to join the DNR after spending time on naval ships during the war. I'll cut this close. The reason I mention this is, can you imagine this guy's work ethic? I bet it's slow. <laughs> given the given his age, well, he's and, 106. He's 102. 102. He's 102, yeah. and then given his arm six, services <laughs> career, you're you're ruining the ray of hope. Uh, it's my job, isn't it? Be the creep. His mom lived to be 108. Yeah. But my point being that I, I think he might have been able to set a wonderful example for other state Absolutely. employees. Absolutely. Because he probably brought to that uh, brought to that job a tremendous work ethic. Mm-hmm. A, a lot of times that's what actually keeps you alive and mentally sound and of a good, sound body. Well, thanks, Dr. A, Phil. A Why place, do you think I'm here? A place to go. <laughs> got to have a place to go. I would agree. I would the, agree. Uh, the other thing about the story that amazed me, did you see what he plans to do? He's retiring at 102. For his gardening? He, he wants to be a farmer, and yep. he wants to catch up on his reading. That's right. And he wants to visit all the uh, South Pacific islands he that's was right, at Chad. in World I, War II at right. the age of 102. I know a guy that's uh, over 30 years uh, younger than him that's talking about not working Fridays. I don't, I don't know <laughs> what the hell the problem is with that guy. <laughs> right now at Schmel's Countryside, Volkswagen, Alfa Romeo, and Fiat in Maplewood, right there on the southeast quadrant of Highway 61 and 36. Tremendous summer deals on all 2019 and 2020 Volkswagens. 0% for 72 months and 120 day payment deferral on all 2019 and 2020 Volkswagens, including the new flagship, the Atlas Crossport by Volkswagen. Uh, a tremendous, tremendous vehicle. I read the review of it by the world's greatest car writer, uh, Dan Mc, uh, Dan Neal in the uh, Wall Street Journal. But here's what you do. You can make your own personalized sales appointment. Go to the, uh, go to the three websites, SchmelzVW.com, SchmelzAlfaRomeo.com, SchmelzFiat.com. Pick out what you uh, are most interested in. They'll have it waiting and ready for you. Sanitized, of course, and then you can take your test drive. It's a lot of summer left, a lot of great driving left. Also, remember this. There's uh, 60% uh, I'm sorry, 0% for 60 months on certified pre-owned vehicles. That Schmelz Countryside Volkswagen, Alfa Romeo, and Fiat.
Chris Miller, he's a GLer. He's also the owner of Aim High Construction based right here in the Twin Cities. And they can get you a roof or any other thing you might need around your home or office. Uh, we gave Chris uh, at my house the go-ahead to redo our kitchen deck and a retaining wall next to our house. And, boy, we're really excited to see Chris, his project manager, Keith, and the crew get started. I can't wait to supervise. It's going to be a lot of fun. The website is aimhighconstructionmn.com. And, They'll help you with design consultation if you're thinking about a new kitchen or bath or finishing off that basement. They've provided great ideas for us, affordable yet functional and very fabulous looking. And don't go thinking that roof job or something else like that might not interest them, whether it's roof, uh, weather-related shingle damage or the roof has reached the end of its life cycle. Aim High Construction, they're going to be there and gone in a matter of a few days or less. They want to do your job. Roofing, siding, decks, windows, the list goes on and on. Remodels, kitchens, etc., etc. They're going to do it with pride, skill, and an eye for detail. The website is aimhighconstructionmn.com. That's aimhighconstructionmn.com. Put your project in the hands of someone who really cares about you and your project. It's the GLers at aimhighconstructionmn.com. He's a man who spends hours in hardware stores, sifting through the nuts and bolts of life. Joe Souchere. I'm pleased to say we're joined by Andrew Town. Uh, Andrew, are you from Minneapolis? Grew up in Grand Forks. Grand Been Forks. Here four years. Andrew, you, I didn't even know about this until Monday, December 30, when it was in the newspaper, but you and five others are the first crew to ever row from Cape Horn, Chile, to the South Shetland Islands of Antarctica. Actually, all the way to mainland Antarctica. Who came up with this idea? Our captain is an Icelandic guy named Fionn Paul, yep. who now is the first human ever to have rowed on all five oceans. Really? Oh. Wow. Did you row in college? I did. Where? Yale. Yale. Are you a lawyer? I am. Are you practicing or are you too busy adventuring? <laughs> Non-practicing. Right. I actually work as a business consultant for Boston Consulting Group in Minneapolis. <sighs> Who talked you into this? <laughs> so, uh, you want the 10-second version or the 20-second <laughs> version? We've got all the time in the world. <laughs> you know, growing up in Grand Forks, uh, I was actually an overweight teen who loved speech and debate and theater and singing. And uh, my friends gave me a lot of flack for being pretty unathletic and a little overweight. So when I left for college, I decided I want to try and reinvent myself. Mm -hmm. The only two sports took walk-ons were rowing and fencing. Yep. And I figured it wasn't going to play so well if I went home to Grand Forks and I was a swashbuckler. (laughs) (laughs) So rowing it was. (laughs) And and I tell you what, going from the kid who gets the B in gym class to being a Division I varsity rower Mm -hmm. was super tough for me. And it was a lot of times that I felt like I was in a dark place, really had to convince myself to persevere through that pain. And, And just a quick example of the pain, one of my teammates my junior year, he during a six minute race, he rode so hard that he actually went unconscious with oh. with two hundred fifty meters left to go before the finish line. Wow. Really? And when he got into the ambulance, still unconscious after the finish line, the doctors said that he had churned such a high percentage of his blood into lactic acid that his body had involuntarily shut down. Did he 
end up okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was fine a couple hours later. Yeah, uh, but had to get mentally medically treated and taken away in an ambulance. And when that slide opened up, that's when you jumped yeah. in. <laughs> hey, we still won the race. All good. Did you know all of these guys before you embarked on this tremendous adventure? So the the uh, I I'm, I was introduced to Fion by one of my college rowing teammates, a guy named Matt Brown. And in 2017, I, I caught up with Fion. He told me about the one last big thing that had never been done in ocean mm-hmm. rowing, which is to row to Antarctica completely human-powered. And I realized that that sounded pretty cool to me. Oh, man. Were you accompanied by a, a chase boat? Uh, Antarctic Treaty required us to have a supervising vessel. Okay. And that's for two reasons. First, to make sure that we preserve uh, Antarctica as a pristine continent. Right. Basically, they don't want us to wash. They don't want us to wash ashore as trash. Right. And second, to make sure that you know, that, I mean, this is a big expedition, but to a lot of people, this is kind of it's an, it's a bit unnecessary. And if we were to fall in the harm's way, it's not really fair for any taxpayers of any country to have to bail us out. So the supervising vessel that was the emergency vessel if we'd needed it. Mm. How many years of planning were involved? Uh, two years of planning, and then training really picked up in earnest uh, last February, so about 10 months. Where did you train? All over the place, because uh, I'm on the road with BCG. Right. But I love the downtown Gavide YMCA. Yeah. Uh, this fall, I was able to get out a lot with Minneapolis Rowing Club, and I tell you, nothing prepared me for cold water oh. splashes <laughs> like the bet. Mississippi in late October. Oh. <laughs> I, I can't imagine. Now, this is considered the roughest ocean in the world, isn't it? Horrible. Just, what? it's the worst in the world, for sure. Well, were you rowing 24 hours a day in shifts? Yeah. We had three guys rowing 90 minutes while the other three tried to eat, drink a little water, and catch maybe 60 minutes of shut-eye. Mm-hmm. In that little uh, vessel... So we've got uh, pictures of your boat up. So do all three of you go in the the front where Discovery is? We got that's the bow cabin. Okay. You know, two guys sleep in there, and then there's a tiny stern cabin where your legs actually go under that front rower, and one person goes in there. Why wow. in picture number one does it look like the boat's underwater? <laughs> is that just an optical illusion because of the waves? The height of the waves. Yeah. And what what do you think you were encountering for waves? What in the worst storm they got up to forty feet. Oh, oh, my gosh. Oh. Well, how can you roll through 40 feet of water? 40 feet, we drop the sea anchor. Oh. 25 feet, we keep going. Really? Yeah. Who's oh. out there with the tape measure? Yeah. <laughs> well, we're at 24. We're going to get out there. Uh, all, all estimates, but I tell you what. <laughs> I didn't know water could tower that far above me. And I've seen white caps on the beach, yeah. but I've never seen white caps three, four, the, the white cap itself, three, four feet tall, coming down on us well, out on the word. ocean. Was oh, there ever word. a point where you thought, uh-oh, we're in trouble? A lot. <laughs> Did it ever roll over? We didn't. We were prepared for it. Yep. And before we left, we tested our boat's ability to self-right mm-hmm. after capsize. Who built the boat? Uh, you know, I'd have to double check on the on the specific company, but I believe it was a it was a Rannick model ocean rowing vessel. Well, and who funded this project? We were very lucky to have partners with the Discovery Channel. I can't Canada. wait to see the documentary. By right. the way, 
Yeah, they they not only released 14 great episodes over the course of the row, but also are planning a feature-length documentary next oh, fall. Oh, this is good. Are, those episodes haven't been released yet, have they? All on YouTube. And on really? Discovery, yeah. Discovery.com slash The Impossible Row. Oh, I have to see this. It's just quite a feat. Uh what was the food situation? Uh, Mountain House free-dried food and standard process, uh, a nutritional company, provided us with all the food we needed for the expedition. Uh, my favorites, so the freeze-dried, you know, just add water and you got your chicken pot pie or whatever. Mm-hmm. I love those. The standard process, actually, uh, they created custom fully rounded meals mm-hmm. for us where each bar that they gave us was a 1,000 calories of a balanced diet, mm-hmm. all vegetarian-based and and that that food is what uh, our first mate Colin O'Brady ate every day when he crossed Antarctica one year ago on foot, unsupported, unaided. So we knew that it was fit for the temperature, fit for twenty four seven working out, and the combination of those two kept us real strong. Wait a minute, we talked about the guy who crossed. Yes. Uh, yeah, we did on foot. Who was that? Colin O'Brady. Colin O'Brady. What? What club does this admit you admit you to? What what elite group of people in the world have you joined? Is there a crazy guys club? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know if there. I mean, the Guinness Book of World Records uh, released a press release suggesting they thought that we'd we'd set nine world records as a group, of which five I was a part of. Wow, it's just extraordinary. You are you aware of Shackleton's journey? Very, Very well. Where do you rank this in comparison? Did Shackleton didn't encounter Drake's passage? Did he or did he? Uh, he was in he was in very similar waters. Okay, yes. Uh, I, I would be reluctant to compare us directly to Ernest Shackleton for a number of reasons. They were out there for over a year. Yep. They were doing it a hundred years ago. Yep. They were using only wooden lifeboats yep. that they had along with their actual sailing ship. And not only did they, they they navigated against the prevailing currents and tailwinds uh, on their biggest row, but they also they also traversed a glacier ridden island. Yeah, like those, that truly one of the best tales of history. Shackleton. Was there a moment when you wished you weren't on the boat, and you wished I wish I'd not have done this? I, you know, I guess I I never let my mind go there because there's no exit. There's no exit handle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can't turn around. Yeah. Not not really an option, so never really thought about it. <laughs> Describe the departure point. Cape Horn was one of the most beautiful places I've ever seen. It is a series of islands on the southern tip of South America, and the horn itself was actually named after a Dutch explorer, but I thought it was named after a horn like a rhinoceros horn because yeah. it's this beautiful tusk-like mountain mm-hmm. rising out of the ocean. And describe the landing point. Landing point was the Antarctic Peninsula on mainland Antarctica, and it was a small bay being fed by a massive glacier. And around us in this bay were icebergs larger than office buildings, along with penguins, whales, seals basking on the rocky shore where we pulled up. Just gorgeous. Did you see any commercial traffic? Or does the world not negotiate that part of the ocean? We saw two commercial vessels. Really? One was in the middle of the Drake Passage, and it actually was one of the most emotional moments of the entire trip because it was during the second storm that we had to row through, and we were suffering. 
this was the, the, the waves in that storm, I would estimate 15 to 20 feet. Mm-hmm. We were still rowing, which means you're just getting cold water blasted oh. on you from both sides. You're tipping. Your oars are flopping around. You can barely get any traction. And out of nowhere, it was low visibility. We hear, oh, my God. <laughs> and sure enough, this eight-story tall commercial cruise liner comes within I want to say 200 yards, oh maybe 300 God. yards. <laughs> wow. And not only that, in the storm, there are hundreds of passengers lining the decks. They're all in the cover of like the cover of the rooftops, right? But they're cheering for us. Oh, oh boy! Wow. So just the moment when we're feeling the lowest and we're 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 suffering, we're thinking, why the heck do we do this? And we get a 200 person cheering section, 100, 200 yards <laughs> off our off our port. <laughs> this was two weeks ago. Uh, we saw that vessel about two and a half, but yeah. <laughs> wow. Now, the guys that are uh, in the shelter while you're going through these storms, are you hearing a lot of this? Damn it, what the hell are you doing out there? Where <laughs> <laughs> are they? Uh, you know what you're going to. Uh, you know, it was an unspoken rule. If you're rowing, you get to do whatever you want because you're the one rowing. And if you're sleeping, <laughs> you keep your you mouth shut. You keep your mouth <laughs> shut because they're rowing you across the ocean right now. <laughs> why, why that particular time of year? Best weather. Best weather. Uh, southern Southern Hemisphere. Wow. So it was it was the beginning of summer down there. Well, Describe man. what you mean by a storm. A thunderstorm? Or? So Drake Passage is dangerous because you've got the entire Pacific Ocean merging into the Atlantic Ocean mm-hmm. through a 600-mile-wide passage. And at the same time, the Southern Ocean, which circles around Antarctica, is mucking everything up. So sailors used to refer to the furious 40s. I'm sorry, the the what the heck do they call them? They call them the screaming 60s, the furious 50s. And something for anyway, the reason the sailors had names for these different levels of latitude in the south is because the winds just rip around Antarctica and uh, uh, sort of unimpeded by any land masses. Mm -hmm. So the confluence of the water of the Atlantic and the Pacific, the fact that the winds are ripping around Antarctica all uh, makes this not just one of the most tumultuous stretches, but also one of the areas in the world where the weather changes the quickest all of the storms from the Pacific ride the Andes down the southern tip of of, of Chile, yep. and then get forced through the Drake Passage. So, so that means that uh, you, that's what creates a, a prevailing wind and swell that can get up to thirty, forty feet. And when you start getting changes in the wind, it just creates total cacophony. And, and that that's why every forty eight hours you got a different thing being thrown at you. Did you ever think during the trip that you're such a small human being on Earth uh, that did this put a lot Constantly. of things into perspective for you? In fact, that was one of the biggest takeaways: is is being alone in a dangerous ocean makes you respect Mother Nature and mm-hmm. makes you realize that this is a big globe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Have real- you spent much time on the water? Uh, I river rowing, yes, yeah. in college. Uh, I'd been sailing in the South Pacific, so I was familiar with big ocean swells, but never anything where I combine the big ocean swells with a small boat. Wow. Roaring 40s, furious 50s, screaming 60s. There we go. Yeah. And each of them gets worse. Oh, there's, yeah, there's a whole bunch of stuff on the, uh, on the computer. What was the outside temperature on average? Uh, hovered just above freezing. Yep. And the ocean water was about 32.5 wow. Fahrenheit. So, and then, of course, Antarctica, it gets 
even closer, but if it were 32 or lower, it would start to freeze. Yeah. What about rowing? We see all these pictures, and they're day pictures on the uh, uh, Internet. Rowing at night. Ooh. Describe. Worst part. Uh, rowing at night. Now, it's southern latitude, which means we only had about four to six hours of darkness. Okay. Because the, the really long days sure. when you're that far south during the summertime. Um, but in those one or two shifts where you are rowing in complete darkness, it's just harrowing because now you've got the 20 foot swells and you're still trying to row, but you can't see what's going on. It's got to feel like you. you're not making progress. Well, not only does it feel futile, but you can't see what's about to hit you. We used to joke it was oh. like being an inexperienced boxer going into the ring with a heavyweight champion. You just feel like you're rope-a-dope. You know, yeah. you're like, oh, it just got us from starboard side. Oh, there's one from port. Here it comes over the bow. That's a great analogy. You're in a boxing fight and you're blindfolded. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the only thing you can do is just keep standing up and taking it. Where's the next punch? <laughs> so those worst shifts for sure. And we would we would tap out when we did the shift change. It's like, good luck out there, buddy. Yeah. A couple more hours till sunrise <laughs> did uh did uh did anyone previously attempt this that you know of 1988 1988 uh, uh, uh a gentleman named ned gillette from massachusetts led an expedition they they did the the first hybrid crossing of the drake passage they used a sail for a big portion of it and then they rode the remaining portion landing on the outlying islands right. as opposed to mainland antarctica but this is the first ever and maybe the only time to completely row it. First time, completely human-powered, no yeah. sails, rowing all the way to mainland Antarctica. Can you imagine doing it again, or is that not in the cards? And, yeah. and if uh, you did, what for what reason? I wouldn't do it again. Yeah. It, uh, it was... The, 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 I don't know if it's sunk in yet that we really did something that no human's ever done before. Uh, but with that, I think I think it's it's kind of cool to think that We've changed the definition of what humans are capable of. Mm -hmm. So that's the reason that it was interesting to do it once. The reason I wouldn't do it again is experiencing the 40-foot swells made me realize how lucky we were that Mm -hmm. we didn't get what the Drake is capable of giving us. Really? The, the biggest recorded wave via radar on the Drake Passage was 98 feet. And it gets worse. When you get within 70 miles of the southern tip of Chile, the continental shelf, which is shallower than the rest of the ocean, right. forces the entire Pacific Ocean into shallower water, which means you still have the same volume, but those waves are getting shorter and steeper. Uh, the, the, the 1988 expedition rolled three times in the first 12 hours when they were on the continental shelf wow. and when they, were, when they were under sail. So reading that and knowing what we experienced and knowing what it could have been with worse conditions – I would I would not roll the dice again. So you you knew going in that it it was plausible that you could have encountered a ninety eight foot wave. That's right. And what what would have happened had you? So part of preparation, uh, if if we knew that it was a really bad storm, we would all pile into the cabins, <clears throat> batten down the hatches, and pray. If it was a rogue wave that we weren't expecting, because they can come out of nowhere, right? Uh, we are life preservers. We were wearing life preservers at all times, and we actually had leashes attached to the boat. Okay. So if we got surprised by a big wave, boat would flip, or worse, it would actually barrel roll 100 yep. feet down the wave. Yep. And we would just be 
like dolls flopping around on these leashes. Oh. I was going to ask, is it, in the act of rowing, were you seat belted in? Uh, you can't be seat belted uh, because you need to move the, the to, to have the dynamic rowing stroke. But we had jack lines, which are fixed lines from the bow to the stern of the boat. And we could use those to attach our leashes so that as we moved forward and backward with the stroke, the leash would move with us and yeah. give us that room. Yeah, Any time did an oar ever break? Uh, they could have, and we had four spares, but yeah. none ever did. Yeah. Gee whiz. You guys really have something to talk to each other about when you get together, don't you? <laughs> yeah, what's the reunion? <laughs> uh, we, we have a group text. We have a group text going, and, and it's been pretty active since we got back. Have you, uh, uh, like you said, it hasn't sunk in. Uh, I, I can't imagine. Uh, you, you have to be totally at ease right now. I bet you're getting some good rest. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we we finished the row, and um, we boarded the supervising vessel. It took the rowboat on a crane and loaded it up, and we, we actually motored north back to South America. Uh, and I slept 16 hours that first night. Wow. 12 hours every night for the next week, wow. and I'm still getting nine, no problem. Yeah. I, my body's very much still still oh, just bet. healing. Now, when you were out there in the, in the picture, you went from Cape Horn to Antarctica. What are the red dots um, in that bigger picture right behind you? Uh, uh, the red dots are waypoints depending on time and iceberg conditions in Antarctica, we thought we might try and go further south than the mainland. So the red points that you're looking at are, those are waypoints that we use to dry, to, to draw the potential map pending okay. conditions. Okay. Were all of you experienced rowers? All but one. All but one? Yep. And, but are all of you experienced mountain climbers? Only two of us. Are you? I am. Yeah. What's the highest peak you've scaled? Mount Everest. Oh, for Pete's sake. <laughs> Son of a I gun. I can't tie my shoes. I, uh, I, have, I have a hard time getting on the elliptical for 40 minutes a day. <laughs> no, no, I was going to say, Andrew, I, you know, I, I, I do pretty good. I'm an athlete. Uh, I, I used the stairs to get my lunch today. I didn't take the elevator. <laughs> Who did we have on? Uh, Eric Simonson. Was yes. a guy that climbed Mount Everest. Holy moly, Ghost from of, Seattle. Ghost of Everest. He had you knew the, Eric Simonson? We had yeah. him in studio. He's a buddy of mine. Yeah. Well, tell him that uh, Joe and the Rookie said hi. We uh -huh. loved his book. Uh, in fact, it was featured in my son's uh, preschool class. What? Uh, they, were, they always talk about Mount Everest, but he was a great guest. And he was looking for Mallory and the, and the crew. Absolutely. When did you have to, how old are you? 37. When did you get your law degree? 2015. Okay. At, when do you have time to, to – better question. What's your next adventure? Do you have Short one Short-term salsa dancing. Salsa dancing? <laughs> really? I want to see the list. He's really? got 15 things checked <laughs> off already, and i got two salsa. of my dancing. <laughs> Are you taking classes? I, I, I do dropping classes, yeah. So you row 600 miles <laughs> in 13 days, damn near killing yourself, and what you want to do when you return is become a salsa dancer. It's a it's a great art. Under oh, I'm sure it Underachiever. is. Underachiever. Underachiever. <laughs> I, I feel so inadequate. Wow. When, you guys, when you guys hit Antarctica and you, you got out of the boat, how long of that turnaround was it before you started heading back? I mean, did you take five minutes for a couple of pictures and whatnot, and, or did how did that... About four hours. About four hours. Yeah. There was a lot to do, basking in the moment, uh, and then take a taking deep care breath. of ourselves. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, and, and, you know, you're only going to do it once. So we, we wanted to make sure we, everybody had a chance to like take their selfies and, before I know it, four hours go by. Please yeah. tell me they had a beer for you on that recovery <laughs> <laughs> Offered, but it, honestly, it was the last thing I wanted. Yeah, you just wanted sleep. You know, it, uh, I, I wanted sleep and water. Yeah. Uh, I thought we had very meticulous planning and preparation. One thing we overlooked, yeah. desalinators don't work as well in cold water. Oh. oh, no. You're drinking salt water. We're drinking salt water. Last 48 hours... At first, it was like Gatorade, and I was like, huh, did we just accidentally put some supplements in here? Uh, but the furthest out, I was like, yeah, oh, man. It, oh, it ended oof. up it ended up really worrying me as we were getting to the mainland. How much weight did you lose on Over the trip? 20 pounds. Holy cow. When, I, I mean, I don't know where it came from. Right. right you're, a, you're a skinny guy to begin with. Yeah. I can already count every rib. <laughs> what was the clothing? Uh, everything. Uh, we were very lucky uh, that Canada Goose actually partnered with us yep. and provided nice. great gear for the expedition. And in addition to that, I was doing, I personally wore five synthetic base layers and then I had a synthetic puffy jacket. Uh, I All water foul. repellent, I take it. Well, they were base, so those were, they were wicking. Yep, yep. Uh, breathable but wicking. And then I did uh, a full on expedition, expedition dry suit engineered for arctic waters then i had foul weather gear which is a, a really durable gore-tex and then you had your life preserver so on the top it was almost eight layers and that's while working out for 90 minutes yeah oh, if you have word. any extra canada goose stuff laying around <laughs> you just go ahead and I, I can take it off your hand it's not I, a I gotta say it's a, it is great stuff <laughs> really does. kept us warm yeah. what's the name of the boat the name of the boat is ohana and where is it right now Right now, it's in storage in Chile. Oh, it is. Mm-hmm. Where do you think it'll end up? Oh, I don't want to. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to steal the thunder of our captain or first mate. Okay. The boat's uh-huh. the boat's owned by our captain and first mate. Yep. And uh, what so, plans they might have for a rowboat strategically positioned down there is up to them. All right. <laughs> do you think other crews will attempt this? Now I, that they've I, seen that you can do it, I'd be surprised if they did. I would too. You, you're nuts. You're I mean, you, you, could, you could try to go for speed records and, and guys row it faster than us. Yeah. But the speed record is always going to be precarious because it comes down to storms, you know? Yep. Even if you double our speed, yep. it only takes one storm to throw you off that. Right. And and frankly, I think, uh, I don't know if the risk would make it worth doing again. Did you guys figure it would take you about 13 days? We budgeted 21. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Thirteen was you were ahead we were, of the clock. We perfectly happy with thirteen. Yeah. So when you got, yeah. So you beat your, your beat your own type of eight days. You're probably pretty happy with that. Yeah. Well, because because weather. True. Uh, yeah. We were we departed four days late, uh, both because we were waiting for good weather conditions and because the day we were scheduled to depart, a Chilean C-130 crashed in the Drake Passage Ooh. for reasons that are still not known. Really? Wow. That give you second thoughts? Uh, it made it real. I mean, it's yeah. not the the Bermuda Triangle has that reputation, but I mean, the Chilean Navy and every vessel in the Drake Passage spent five days looking for remains, and and still, as far as I know, they mm-hmm. don't know why the C one thirty crashed. You have a family, I do, dad and brother and sister in law. And uh, were they were you able to somehow were they able to somehow keep track of you? Yeah, thank goodness, uh, Iridium Communications partnered with us, so we had really good satellite links. For uh, for calling and for tracking. So you're you're out there on Christmas Eve. Yep. And Christmas Day. Yep. 
Uh, that is just extraordinary. Did you guys open presents? <laughs> <laughs> Where did you put the tree? <laughs> uh, my my college rowing teammate John Peterson from California. We uh, not, we didn't bring a lot of sweets on board, but he brought a bag of chocolate. We referred to chocolate as contraband. And on Christmas Eve, <laughs> Christmas Eve, he came out on the deck. He said, "Everybody out on the deck. I don't care if you're sleeping." It's Christmas Eve. Yep. He gave us each a chocolate, chocolate. <laughs> each a chocolate bar. And I, that's all it takes, you know. The yeah. simple effort. He had been not just carrying it for for eleven days, but not eating it himself for yeah. eleven days. Yeah. <laughs> well, I take it this vessel was self bailing. Yes. Yeah. And self writing. Right. Now, uh, tell me this: what what was the longest period of of reasonably smooth rowing you had, or was that not possible? We had. Uh, Three periods of eight hours or more. Oh, they had one to be of which enjoyable. Was about twenty-four hours. Yeah. The glass-like conditions for twenty-four hours was one of the two high points for me on the entire expedition, because in rowing, there's a phenomenon that rowers describe as swing, mm-hmm. and when you get three people, when you get a team of rowers and their blades are entering the water at very close to the exact same time, mm-hmm. you actually feel each other lift the boat together. Mm-hmm. And when that happens, the boat actually moves faster than it could if each of you was rowing individually. So so the team is truly stronger than the sum of its parts. And you can do that for hours when you have good conditions and a team that's in sync with one another. So you have this glass-like water for 24 hours multiple shifts in a row where you're in sync and you're grooving. And then because it's flat water, that means it's good weather. So you've got the sunset and orcas swimming underneath us and albatross with 12-foot wingspans circling above us. And you just (laughs) pinch myself if I had a hand free. (laughs) (laughs) You say that was one of two highlights. What was the other one? Landing in in Antarctica. I can't imagine what that feeling must have been like. Half relief and half euphoria. Yeah. Oh, man, that's just something else. That's just something else. Give us the name again of the uh, the Discovery Channel. I want to write it down. Discovery.com forward slash The Impossible Row. The Impossible Row. And I can access that today. Yep. And uh, in the U.S., it'll all work fine through the Discovery Channel. We found in Chile that they posted all the episodes on YouTube as well. Mm-hmm. And so... Either you can access the episodes on either. And then a full-length documentary is coming out? Next fall, correct. Next fall. Well, you're to be congratulated. Thank you. How long have you lived in Minneapolis? Four years. Is this going to remain your home, do you think? Actually, I moved back here after a number of years overseas and on the East Coast because at the end of the day, growing up in the Northern Plains is it just contributed a huge part of who I am. And and, uh once I finished school, I, I, I only looked at jobs in the Twin Cities because I love it up here. Well, maybe one day I could get you out on White Bear Lake for a boat ride. might be kind of a thrill for you. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love that. <laughs> I'll bring the beers. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Andrew, have you done this before? <laughs> Andrew Town, uh, I can't thank you enough for coming in. It's just an extraordinary story, and you're to be congratulated, and so are all your mates. Joe? Rookie Chris, John, yeah. thank you for having me. Can thank I you. read his last sentence of his bio? Sure. A national champion runner and rower, Andrew holds a black belt in Taekwondo, has climbed the tallest mountain on every continent, and speaks <laughs> German, Swahili, Italian, and Spanish. Oh. Todo bien, señor.
<laughs> Gracias. <laughs> and now he's wow. going to be a world champion salsa dancer. Oh yeah, right. That's next. Uh, the dot, dot, dot is what we yeah. have here. Yeah. Thank you, sir. Very Thank kind you. of you. Thank you. My pleasure. If you own a lake home or you got the old swimming hole or pond on your property, get a hold of my friends at Aquaside. Aquaside has been helping people maintain nice lake shores for 60 years. They have a complete line of lake and pond control products that take care of everything from weeds to unidentified vegetation to algae. Aquaside products are easy to use. They work right away. They're registered with both the EPA and DNR, and their products are completely safe for you, your family, and that whopper crappie you're going to catch at the end of the dock. Don't let weeds overtake your lake or pond this summer. You don't need to. Call Aquaside. They'll identify your weed problem and make sure your place looks great all summer long. You can call Aquaside, White Bear Lake Company, by the way, at 1-800-328-9350 or go to Aquaside.com. You have no reason to have weeds on your beach this summer. It's going to be a long, sweltering, great summer of swimming. Call Aquaside, aquaside Aquaside.com. Minnesota business owners have had it rough the past few months. Here in Sioux Falls, we've been doing things differently. I'm Dean Diesick from the Sioux Falls Development Foundation. Check out SiouxFallsDevelopment.com. You'll find that Sioux Falls, South Dakota is open for business, and we have talented people ready to go to work for you. All in a place with short commutes, safe streets, available buildings, fewer taxes, and higher profits. Moody's has reaffirmed South Dakota's AAA credit rating, the highest available, citing the state's stable economic outlook and smart handling of coronavirus impacts. Sioux Falls has the people you need to succeed and the freedom you want to operate your business. If you want to be open for business, expand or relocate your company to Sioux Falls. Discover relief from excessive restrictions and costs. It all starts with a visit to SiouxFallsDevelopment.com. Discover better business and a better life in Sioux Falls. You can learn more at SiouxFallsDevelopment.com. You cannot stop him. He'll just make a move. Joe Suchere. Here's a man that didn't do any of that. (laughs) Joe Suchere. Great liner. There's the liner of the day. I've never felt so humbled. <laughs> I, I think that that was he is one hell of a sweet guy. Yeah, and uh, I, uh, I I'm, I'm not kidding. Uh, I've never felt so useless in my life. Yeah, he's not even forty. I mean, he looked at the five of us. <laughs> he made an assessment quickly. And he I think. <laughs> he could, he was not at all condescending. He nope. he's just a genuine nice guy. Mm-hmm. But with those accomplishments, he wasn't. Uh, a bragger. No, oh, this is what I've done. All, I've yeah. done all this stuff. I'm looking at a new fart button. Yeah, you should have gave him some of our new fart buttons. He would have been I impressed. I haven't done a thing. <laughs> I have not accomplished a thing. What was yeah. the thing that stood out the most to you about that entire interview, outside of, all, of the list of all the accomplishments? Uh... Just how well grounded a guy he is. I was amazed that they they all lost twenty pounds apiece. Okay, oh, on that, well, that doesn't surprise me. So, he also what amazed me is he's a he's an audio separated at birth of Michael Stipe of REM. Really, that seems to me he was. Yeah, very soft spoken. A little more hair though. Yeah. Um, what I learned is that everything comes back to food and revolves around food. Don't be so no, soft, no, But when we talked about. Uh, Christmas, yep. and the one guy he got the chocolate. He part. had the chocolate. What did that 
represent to you? Well, they were just... No. Remember Mac with Louis Zamperini? Mac ate all the chocolates oh, right. when they were yeah. in the middle of the ocean. That's right. So chocolate and water really have a relationship. The uh, water thing we had talked about off the air, apparently if you drink too much salt water, you become dehydrated quickly. Yeah. That's the oh. problem. If, if the water hadn't, you know... It can't keep up. Yeah. Okay. Your body can't keep up with getting rid of the salt. But did any of you see salsa dancing coming? No. 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 Gosh, no. <laughs> but you all. know what? In context, that doesn't surprise me at all. He's a renaissance guy. He really well, is. Well. And he wants a challenge. He doesn't know how to do it. He wants to learn how to do it and do it well. I, he's one of those guys where whatever he would want to do, I bet he could pull it off. Yes. No. He'd be one of those no. guys that's good at anything. He could He could have been the guy who jumped off that balloon 50 million miles up in the atmosphere. Oh, yeah. Remember that yeah. guy? Oh, the Red Bull guy. Red Bull, Red Bull yeah. guy. Yeah. Not that I, I bet he would not want to, but he, he's the type of guy who could probably have done something like He could do anything he wants. Mm-hmm. Chubby kid in high school in Grand Forks. Yeah, hard to believe looking at him. <laughs> he weighs 10 pounds. <laughs> oh, my word. What a guy. Felix Baumgartner was Felix the, Baumgartner. the Austrian right. yeah. skydiver. That video still gives you the, the elevator yeah. stomach when you watch him jump. I can't watch that. You know, Andrew strikes me as the kind of guy that is very independent. And if you GLers out there would like to have some independence, well, then get in touch with Livewire Solar. If you're a business owner, this is one of the best deals to make you become independent. You you really, you have to trust me. You've got to call Troy or Tim. They're GLers, and they're going to take care of you with a great estimate. That's no obligation, but they're going to find out how much you can save. That's right. Livewire Solar can help you save money with a custom-designed solar energy system for your business or your home. They've got financing available where you can install a system, zero out-of-pocket costs, and pay for it in four to six years with the money you save on your energy bill. You can't argue with that. That's why it's really, it's really smart just to call them. But maybe they say, that's not going to work. Okay, then you walk away. Maybe they say, you're going to save this, and that is music to your ears. They're the Midwest solar experts, and they also know about additional local incentives that could save you even more money. Most LiveWire solar customers, they see almost immediate savings. No excuse for you not to call them today, GLers. 651-688-2400 or go to LiveWireSolarMN.com. A no-obligation analysis of your building or home and a report. Yes, a report. This is how official they are on how much money you could save. Call Troy. Call Jim. 651-688-2400. They are total GLers. 651-688-2400. Or go to LiveWireSolarMN.com. Hey, become a part of the Chill Boys family like the entire Garage Logic staff and also so many of you GLers right now that have made your purchase for maybe for yourself or for somebody else. It doesn't matter because they are the hands down most comfortable underwear you will ever own. I promise you. They have a wide variety. It's performance boxers, bamboo boxers, bamboo boxer briefs. Just check out their website right now. Chillboys.com. There you can place your order for 
the comfortable boxers, or maybe you want a couple of cool T-shirts, sunglasses, whatever you want. Go online right now. Here's the coolest part. If you have an order over $40, it ships fast and free in the United States. Yeah, anywhere. They're a local Minnesota company, and they are so happy to be part of the Garage Logic family. They also have a really cool number of sale items that are going on right now. So do like we did. Become a part of the Chill Boys family, whether you want the performance, the bamboo, it doesn't matter. You're going to really be happy with your purchase at Chill Boys Brand on Twitter. All right, we're back to the best of Garage Logic, and uh, yeah, that was a pretty amazing uh, wrap up uh, and a wonderful, wonderful interview. And then we're going to switch. We're going to kind of keep this um, uh, water theme going because I'm going to give you uh, something that we've talked about years and years and years ago, decades ago. Um, lake names. There's some good lake names, but there's also some really bad lake names. And one day, Joe was up uh, just fresh back from Leech Lake, and we started to talk about bad lake names. So this is where it all started. Uh, then I was at Leech Lake. Yes, and Leech Lake, and you said it was a terrible name, and I agree. Well, it's a wonderful lake, mm-hmm. just a great lake. I'm trying to think if I've ever been there. Well, I'm sure you haven't. Mm. But can you think of anything that you would not want on you worse than a leech? Uh, no. A leech scares, well, a, a tick, but I guess a tick would be behind a leech. But leech has the additional connotations of, of you know, blood sucking, sucking right, and, and right. just, you know, uh, scary, you know. So we tried to come up with the names of lakes right. that would be worse than right. leech, you know. Bo- Boyle Lake. Boyle yeah. Lake would not be. <laughs> Here are the ten lakes with names worse than leech. Right. Okay, these lakes have all have names that are worse than Leech Lake. That's how I would say it. Right, yeah. Flem. See, would you want to go swimming in Flem no. Lake? It's, it's, if it's spelled with a ph, I don't think so. It's p h l e d. Oh Flem. man, no way. Yeah. Sputum. <laughs> no, see, you wouldn't want any part of that, would you? I'd, uh, I think I got do. a big muskie out of Sputum <laughs> over the weekend. <laughs> Blood. Blood Lake, I'd probably... This was your contribution. I'd find another lake to go camp and fish in. Yeah. Blood Lake. Blood. I got a cabin up on uh, up on Blood. That's what Maybe you, you have want to, to come up for the weekend. That's where you have to you have to put it in that perspective. Sure. You're telling it, hey, where's your lake, all up, right? We're up at Blood. We got a nice place up at <laughs> Blood. Can you see the reaction? You know, you just moved into town. You yeah. said, where are you going? Well, we're packing it up. we got a big cabin on Blood. But see, that would be good maybe because then nobody would bother you, you know. Right. Could, can you come up to Blood this weekend? Uh, no, uh, we got to go to a, you know, a confirmation or something. What were you swimming in? Blood Lake. <laughs> e. coli. No. No. See, you you know. Yeah, I got my jet ski up on E. coli. <laughs> you know. Well, I mean, that's the thing Leech does to you. That's how right. powerfully bad the name is, you know. It's a foul. I mean, just the, the audio sound is bad. Infection. <laughs> Lake infection. Lake infection. Where's your brother? He's got a place up on infection. Yeah. Yeah, it's on the north arm there. Yeah, yeah. they're pulling crappies out of Lake infection like you wouldn't believe this year. <laughs> Fry him up right on shore. Rat. You know what? There probably is a rat lake. There probably is, but would you go to Rat Lake? No, I wouldn't. Right. Well, that would be the point of 
naming. Oh, sure. If you want to keep people away, you tell the people, hey, listen, uh, we're going to head up to Rat Lake. You kids want to go? No, I don't want to go. Or there, there's new development on Rat Lake. It's probably not very popular. Yeah. Where were we, Rat? Uh, I think you had read off the name Rat Lake. Ghetto. <laughs> My perception of Ghetto Lake yeah. is fun, though. Yeah, but I, you know, a lot of people and... wouldn't probably, you know, build new development on no. Ghetto Lake. Urine Lake. That wouldn't. That wouldn't. <laughs> Wasn't that was almost one of the Great Lakes? But then the Huron. Then they changed it to right, Huron. Huron, right. a little more uh, yeah. easy to visit. Leper. See that? You know, you really doesn't. You know, you don't think of anything. Uh, That's what you have to think. You put right. it in terms of, hey, where's your cabin? It's up on Leper. <laughs> what does not work for me? You got a boat up there? No, we got a pontoon. Yeah, the handle keeps falling off. We got a pontoon, but it uh, it's corroded. There's something wrong with it. Uh, but here's the number one worst name for a lake. All right. You know, when you're trying to think of names of lakes worse than Leech Lake. You know. Right. Right? Right. Puss. Ooh. To me, that would be a worse name. You don't want Leech, to go on. You'd take you'd take leech over pus. Right. Right. Hey, speaking of lakes, yeah, I got the lake detective. Hello, LD. Hello, hello, Joe. All right. All right now take it down, LD. Yes. Uh, the blue water of Lake Okaboji. Right. What is that all about? Uh, it has to do a lot. You know, it's, uh, there's a lot of limestone in the area. They do get some calcium carbonate precipitates. And uh, with a light precipitate, it gives you kind of a light gray, almost a bluish look. All right. The and man has never been stumped, Garage Logic's own lake detective. And I was uh, at Leech Lake, which I happen to think is a wonderful lake, by yeah. the way, but Absolutely. really is saddled with a poor name. It is, but it could have been worse, Joe. Yeah. Here's the here's the original name. Yeah. It's the Ojibwe name. It's Gasaga Gasaga Makeg Sagagan. Really? Which means the place of the Leech Lake. and. Yeah. Nicolay wrote back in the uh, 1830s that uh, this this name implies that its waters contain a remarkable number of leeches. And I, apparently that is true. Actually, they do. They have a, a, a certain species up there that's about 11 or 12 or 13 inches long. And uh, is there any particular reason why that lake would be more leech-infested than others? Well, it has it has exactly the right conditions for the leeches to hide. Mm-hmm. As they have not done as those that species of leech hasn't done nearly as well in other lakes, although they're probably, they are in other lakes as well. They just aren't as common. Right. Uh, can you think of some names of lakes that are worse than leech? I'll tell you what, you hit some of them. There actually are some rat lakes. In fact, there's a whole bunch of rat lakes, but <laughs> they are generally named for muskrats. Right. So there's a basis for that. Well, see, muskrat doesn't sound so bad. <laughs> no, I think that was better. There are some new ones now coming in. You wouldn't want really. You wouldn't want a cabin on any place called Septic Lake. That would be that would be a bad name. Oh, yeah. Maggot Lake. That <laughs> Maggot. wouldn't that wouldn't work. <laughs> no, yeah. Maggot or Septic or Milfoil Lake Milfoil Lake people Milfoil stay out of. But but some of those like Boner Lake. That <laughs> no, that that's that not wouldn't it. be popular. Not a be. good big. Vi- well, maybe yeah, if for it the could the, work with a crowd. certain crowd. Right. <laughs> yes. Right. But some of these lakes, for example, like Green Lakes. They're not really green. What happens is, like, there's a green lake up in uh, Candy, Ohio County. Mm-hmm. That was named because the tr- the water was so clear, it reflected the trees 
from the shoreline. Mm-hmm. So sometimes a little bit misleading. Well, Green is a, is a lovely uh, name of a lake compared to Leech. <laughs> and I don't want to get in trouble with the Leech Lake people because, again, I think it's a great body of water. It's absolutely. But we I were sitting that. around trying to think of names <laughs> that would be – I mean, when you think of all the creatures in Minnesota you don't want on your skin, Leech would be right at the top That's of the list. Top of my list. Yeah. But they're no big deal, really, are they, No, LD? they're not. You know, you know they have that little um, they have that little chemical that keeps things from clotting. So when you, when you pull them off, you do bleed for a little while, but right. perfectly natural. And uh, are you on a case now, sir? Yes, I am. I'm heading up to Detroit Lakes tomorrow. We are we're aerating a wetland area using a solar-powered aerator. Well, uh, uh, please stay in touch <laughs> with us. The man has never been stumped. All right, Joe. He's Garage Logic's own lake detective. Thank you, sir. Bye now. Puss does it for me. Lake syringe is bad. Syringe is not good. <laughs> you wouldn't want to walk barefoot on the uh, lake bed of Lake Syringe. Well, I would take the kids up to Syringe for the weekend. <laughs> you know, throw them off the dock. <laughs> But that's what. Well, you might as well name a lake then medical but waste. Next time, next time you talk to someone about that, and I'm going to try this. Yeah, I am. Um, you know, maybe Let's someone that what? possibly didn't hear the show. Yeah, I'm going to. Pre- I don't have a cabin, but I'm going to pretend I do. Yeah, and I'll get into a conversation, right. and I'm going to use one of those just to see what the yeah. reaction is. We got a place up on Puss. <laughs> Yeah, you can come up anytime you want. But you have to throw Puss or Puss Lake in. Uh, right. Uh, Puss Lake up by, it's right off of, well, right outside of the, McGregor. Sure, I had the kids swimming in Puss last week. <laughs> and, and you got a jet ski up there? Jet and skis you just don't work going. well on Puss. No, Lake no. Leper, uh, they got a lot of sandbars. Yeah. But that seat, that's that's like one of those tricks you play in an elevator, you know. <laughs> I got new socks on. You could be on an elevator and, and uh, say, you know, yeah, we, we were up at the cabin. Up at Puss. Where's your... <laughs> that was God, pretty bad. That, that blood is even worse than Puss. Blood Lake is really thick. Flem. with a lot of muck. Flem isn't good either. No. Oh. <laughs> God. Flem, I haven't seen that one on the map. Well, it's been around, and not a lot of people know about it. It's yeah. uh, not a Were you up near McGregor? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Not a lot of cabins on no, the there Flem isn't. this year. You're the only one out there, aren't you, on <laughs> Flem? <laughs> oh, man. Spooky old rookies, the only one out there with a cabin on Flem. <laughs> GLers keep calling and asking uh, the Grunhoffers people if Reavers has taken all the meatloaf. If Reavers isn't, someone is. The crew at Grunhoffers, prior to the 4th of July, and I'm sure there'll be some left after the 4th of July, made 500 pounds of meatloaf. That's amazing. Spencer sent uh, Chris Reavers a picture of the meatloaf coming out of the smoker. And it was all in stock for the 4th. But the 4th doesn't end your grilling season. Consider the bone-in tomahawk ribeye steaks. These steaks are about 3 pounds each and and 2.5 inches thick, not to mention the brats, the burgers, the salmon, the jerky, the chicken, the steak. You know the Grill. You know the drill, GLers. It's uh, it's the GLers Palace of Meat, Grunhoffers, old fashioned meats on Highway 61, right at the north end of Hugo. And I'm just reading an email from uh, the chief who said he loves the pit smoke, Q and bacon, cheese curd brats, along with some medium rare New York strips. Uh, I tell you what, you're going to be grilling outside again all summer long. Get to Grunhoffers old fashioned meats in Hugo. The 2020 Patriot Ride, it's back for at least one more ride, but it's going to look a lot different this year. Instead of just canceling the ride due to rider demand, everybody said, no, 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 we're going to ride. We're going to ride no matter what. This year, you build the team, or I should say, we build the team. We pick the route, and then we ride. 
This could be the most epic Patriot Ride ever. Click on PatriotRide.org for more information. It's been around since 2006, and it's always been about thanking the veterans, recognizing servicemen and women, and, of course, honoring fallen soldiers. And this is why the event has meant so much to so many. Throughout the years, countless people have helped bring the community together and show their true patriotism. Patriotism, I can say it. The GL Podcast. They want to thank all the organizers, volunteers, riders, supporters, every single person that has supported the the event year after year. And now it's our turn to show them what we've learned. Let's do it. Let's organize our own teams and routes, and let's get out there and ride. The dollars raised by the Patriot Ride, it benefits the Minnesota Patriot Guard, Minnesota's Military Appreciation Fund, and the Minnesota Chapter of Tribute to the Troops. That website again, head to PatriotRide.org for details and to register yourself, a team, or just donate. That's PatriotRide.org. Thank you, Kenny. Let's get back to the best of the Garage Logic podcast. And, um... It would not be the 4th of July uh, if I did not play the hot dog champion eating contest. Uh, two small, short segments. Um, just a quick reminder, the 103rd annual Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest took place on a Thursday. And Joey Chestnut, with uh, I think it was 73 hot dogs, uh, took the $10,000 prize. Uh, I'm not sure. I think Kobayashi, the, the guy that we're about to interview here uh, a long time ago on Garage Logic when Joe talked to him, he was either the uh, he was a, a hot favorite. He was giving Joey Chestnut a run for his money. But let's join the interview. This is Suchi Boy talking to Kobayashi the Rabbit because he is so fast. Well, I, this could be him now. Uh, if you uh, are just tuning in earlier in the show, we made note that on the Fourth of July. The uh, a nineteen. Uh, this tradition has gone back to nineteen sixteen. A hot dog eating champion uh, has has always been crowned in New York by Nathan's Hot Dogs, but this goes back to nineteen sixteen. And this year, three Japanese, three Japanese were the first three finishers, including the winner, Kazutoyo Are, thirty-two years old, known as the Rabbit. He ate more than 25 hot dogs in 12 minutes at Nathan's annual Independence Day hot dog eating contest in Coney Island. And we have on the line with us from New York uh, is Kazutoyo Ari. Hello, Kazutoyo. Hello. And congratulations to you. I guess they call you the rabbit. And you... uh, you set the new record with 25 hot dogs eaten in 12 minutes. Is that correct, the Rabbit? Yes, Coney Island. Mm-hmm. No, it was at Coney Island. Right, at Coney Island. Right, a Coney Island is a hot dog with chili on it. Right. These were just straight hot dogs? Yeah, no chili, no cheese. Delicious. Was, there, was each hot dog on a bun? Uh, I don't know. I eat too fast. Uh-huh. You eat only wait. So fast, I get sick. Right. You only weigh 100 pounds, it says here. Yeah, I sell mattress. What? I sell mattress. You're a mattress salesman. Yeah. From Japan. Yeah. And you, do you know the other, the top three finishers, of course you would know this, were also Japanese, uh, the other two were Japanese. Uh, 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 Japanese descent, yes. No, they were Japanese. Right. Right. Masao, the big banana Fujita. Uh, Big banana. He eats fast, but not faster than rabbit. 
And Takako Akasakaka. Takako Akasakaka. Yes. You, you know him? You right? What? Hello? You right? Yes. Yeah. You like hot dog? Do I? Yeah, you ever eat? Yeah, I eat hot dogs. Uh, Once in a blue moon, sir. Mm. Uh huh. Delicious. Right. But not eat too fast. No. Make you sick unless you're champion. Right. Like rabbit. Well, how did you prepare for this, rabbit? Oh, you got rabbit uh, Chinese food. That's right. How yeah. did you know that? Oh, because after you eat Chinese food, you're always hungry. <laughs> You know old joke, remember? <laughs> he, he didn't know it. He just knew the old joke. I have a question for you. Yes, Rabbit. What do you get when you cross Chinese food and German food? A movement. Also, aside from that, one hour later, you're hungry for power. <laughs> so that's how that joke goes. So, so that joke? Pardon me, sir? You, you use on your show. You get a trophy for this, too. Oh, it's a, right now? Pardon me? Oh, yes, I oh. should have informed you. I'm sorry. Yeah, how are you? <laughs> Congratulations to many listeners. Right. Yeah. You beat Steve, the Terminator Kiner, who weighs 300 and... He's a big boy. Pardon? He's a big boy, but he no win. No. He weighs 391 pounds. Yeah. He's not fast enough. No. <laughs> rabbit wins. It's so fast, like a rabbit. Is that why they call you the rabbit? Uh, well, the other reason too. And not going to honor. Now, uh, many relatives. <laughs> the rabbit. You slow on radio, huh? <laughs> no, I'm not. Now you get choked. <laughs> no, I'm not. It's not that I'm slow, uh, Mr. Kuzioro Tori Ari. You call me. Rabbit. Rabbit? Uh, that is he. No, but seriously, Rabbit, I knew it. Do I do need to to ask you a cultural question? Oh, careful! <laughs> you know what my response is. Are you in a room with a woman? Yes. <laughs> How she? Very pretty, very pregnant. Cut a rabbit. <laughs> Are you not kidding? Why don't? Not kidding when you get nicknamed. Right. Why didn't you speak? Uh, rabbit? Yeah. <laughs> Almost lost my train of thought, didn't no, I? No, do not go there. No. <laughs> i tell you right now. Uh, right now, she dilated at two. I'm checking right now. And soft cervix, ready to go. Oh, that's good. I checked on air. Can I ask a, a hot dog question? Yes. I guess this, in a way, it kind of is a hot dog question. Uh, <laughs> another reference to rabbit. <laughs> You do comedy show. <laughs> Mr. Ari? Yes. What uh, is it that compelled you uh, three Japanese uh, uh, champions to come over to this country to try and win the hot dog eating contest? Good metabolism. No, and I, I, I'm not asking about your personal well-being. I'm wondering why in Japan uh, anyone would be interested in going to New York for a hot dog championship. You, do you even have hot dogs in Japan? Oh, yeah, hot dog, uh... We try to get American custom for our custom now. Right. We know your country is good. Uh, you work. You put out better car now. And I tell you this. Mm -hmm. What we try to do mm -hmm. is act like American. 
Right. Uh, you guys have crazy hot dog contests all the time. Right. Every year. Yeah. Coney Island, big hot dog. So you heard about it. Is it what? Is it boy growing up? Yes. And if you are a champion of Western culture, right. you'll be champion in Japan. What uh, <laughs> What town did you grow up in in Japan? Nagasaki. <laughs> You know why? Why? First time that pop in the head. <laughs> then I guess I didn't know why. Right. Now I want you to describe the uh, the pride you must have in in wearing that big mustard yellow belt, the big red trophy, and and uh, and you wear that. Uh, I I bet you're wearing it right now. Oh yes. <laughs> Rabbit is only wear that right now. That's all you have on. Look kind of funny, huh? Skinny nurse when she come into hospital room. Right. And then uh, you also received 20 pounds of Nathan's hot dogs to take back to Japan. Yes, but got hungry on train. Oh. Eat them already. You took the train from where? No, on train. I took train over big pond. Train? No. Airplane. <laughs> you understand now? You Man, mean... how do you get radio show and you know nothing? As bicycling has taken the country by storm, I hope you can get up to EcoFun Motorsports on Highway 61 in downtown Forest Lake. EcoFun is the home of the Bintelli e-bike, the great electric assist bike with five different levels of assist, so it really looks like you're a racer flying along there, but you're getting a little help from the electric assist. It's fantastic. They also have a great line of scooters that get about 75 miles to the gallon and turn every errand into an adventure. Great stuff for kids, great recreational stuff for kids. Helm uh, apparel, uh, and a really interesting service operation. If you need some work, Tim sends a truck through town once a day, picks up what you need servicing, takes it back to his shop in Forest Lake, services it, and returns it to you for a nominal fee. It's a really, really great service department. This is EcoFun Motorsports on Highway 61 because, of course, garage logicians own Highway 61, and we're proud to have EcoFun as part of our string of champions up and down that great thoroughfare. EcoFun Motorsports in downtown Forest Lake. I could do your show. No, I heard it over the weekend. You sure have Ron Maddox on? No, you can't do my show. That's the problem. How's your show? You're not. Man, Ron Maddox on Friday. Yeah, in that room. On yesterday. There's another guy on with him. Uh, Who's who's with me now? But he's off now because his wife's gonna have a baby. His name's the rookie, Matt Mikulski. Oh, he keeps so very proprietary. Heard <laughs> him? No, man. no. I was just gonna say he he is not proprietary. Oh, he in trouble when he come back? Uh huh. Oh, wife might have a C-section. Longer stay away. Speaking of which, did you know this, uh, Mister Ari? Yes, I did know. I didn't ask the question. Oh, what question? Hey. Why? She... No, I just kid you. You have a question for me. <laughs> yes, Dimitri, I do. <laughs> what? Starting to lose it, aren't you? Yeah. So we won't Almost keep you. Almost time. Start to lose it. We won't much, we won't much, we won't keep you much longer. What I, is your question? I stuttered there, didn't I, Mr. Ari? Oh, that's okay. You have a long time to fill before 5 o'clock. What is your question? 
How'd that, how'd that four o'clock hour go with Maddox? Oh, fun and frivolity. Information pack. Uh-huh. Action pack. Four o'clock hour. Yeah. Do you know that on this day in 1946... What happened? Was And I only mention this because I was reminded of... Uh, it, it happened in the Pacific. And uh, that's... Close where, to my home. That's right. The bikini was introduced. You kid. No. No. No, I don't kid. It, well, it was it was it was it was introduced uh, on a beach in Paris. Oh! But see, it was named uh, bikini uh, because of all the newsmaking uh, uh, nuclear tests that were taking place during that time on the Bikini Atoll in the Pacific Ocean. Oh no! Why don't you ask me what does this have to do with the hot dog championship? Yeah, well, tell, ask him a question for you. What? What has to do with hot dog? Nothing. <laughs> see, you funny man. Now, now, in Japan, will you and the Big Banana and Takako Akasaka, uh, will you be considered now national heroes? Will you appear on television and things of this nature? Yes, uh, Japanese equivalent to Harada, all set. Right. Uh, Banana go on Jerry Springer. Right. Because he fight, he right. not win. Right. He not champion. Right, he's second place. Yeah, he's second place. Right, and uh, how do you see... see like... Uh, uh, who your governor? The wrestler. Ventura. When he come on second self-promotion tour to Japan, right. I stand with him. Right. But he will hardly notice you because you're just a little teeny fellow. 100-pound matcha salesman. That's right. <laughs> but a champion. Right. Huh. And Takako Akasaka, am I pronouncing that correctly? Sure, why not? Close enough. I thought maybe you'd pronounce it one more time. Uh, tell me again. Say the name again. Say the name again. Yeah, help me out. <laughs> Takako Akasaka. Oh, yeah. Takako Akasaka. <laughs> yeah. You say too slow. Yeah. People now waste time in Japan. Thing go fast. Everything's go, go, go. Yeah, you waste time. A name already gone. Gone to sushi bar. Right. Yeah. Do you eat sushi? I don't like fish. Uh-huh. Hot dogs for you, huh? Uh, that's why, see? I'm champion. Yeah. All other members of family eat sushi. Right, and there is no sushi eating contest that we know of. Exactly. So, uh, turn to uh, hot dog, become champion. Right. Oh, I love it. Right. I love it. Well, congratulations to you, Mr. I. Thank you. Or, uh, let me... Oh, uh, you call me rabbit. <laughs> you know I. <laughs> Kazutoyu Ari, 32 years old. You're known as the Rabbit. Yes. You're a 100-pound mattress salesman from uh, Japan. Hey, by the way, you need mattress? No, I don't. You're king? Pardon you're, me? You're king or queen? Me? Yeah. What size? King. Ah, uh, you sleep on air? No. Oh. What do you like? I send over. I like a nice, firm mattress. How come so hard? What? How come you sleep so hard on mattress? Good for back. Uh, now I'm dropping prepositions. That's okay. I know you know Road Scholar. You know that I'm no Road Scholar. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I know that for sure. I know you do. <laughs> well, I'll you. Talk to you next. Are you going to be here tomorrow? Uh, probably not. What about Friday? Uh oh, extended river. Why not be here, sir? Extended river? Reba. You know, when you have baby, you go into Reba. R- oh, labor. Uh, 
That's how you say it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What about Saturday? Uh, we'll decide. We'll decide if Scott bellows up in face and wife say, stay home or you go to work. Yeah. <clears throat> you don't act like a champion. No, uh, not champion with wife. She in charge. <laughs> Otherwise, a summer dress billow up into my face and right. cannot talk. Goodbye, Mr. Ari, and thank you, the rabbit champion. I see you, Raider. Thank you, sir. You sure you don't want to buy mantis? No, thank you. Uh-huh. All right. Goodbye. Goodbye. All right, that is the current nation's hot dog eating champion, a Japanese fellow, a 100-pound mattress salesman, 32 years old, named Kazutoyu Ari, defeating countryman uh, Misao, the Big Banana, Fujita, and Takako Akasaka, who took second and third place, respectively. Ray and Mike of Mosquito Shield want you to decide when you go outside, not the mosquitoes and ticks. These guys are GLers, and they can free your yard of mosquitoes and ticks all summer long, and they continue the servicing until the mosquitoes and ticks go dormant in the fall. And they use a proprietary blend invented by the founder of Mosquito Shield. You can't buy it at Fratelloni's. You can't buy it at Menards. This is special stuff that frees your yard of mosquitoes and ticks. They take great care of you. They come out every 10 to 17 days for an application, and they do so, as I say, until those mosquitoes die off in the fall. They stand behind their work, too. If for any reason you need them in between applications, they'll do an additional service call at no charge because they want you to choose when it's time to go inside, not the mosquitoes and ticks. In fact, I'll make it this. They want you to choose when it's time to go outside, not the mosquitoes and ticks. You can find them at MoShield.com, M-O-S-H-I-E-L-D, MoShield.com, or give uh, Ray and Mike a call at 612-619-1556. Everybody's staying at home more than they have. You might as well make it comfortable in your own backyard, free of mosquitoes and ticks because of the work of Ray and Mike at MoShield.com. All right, Braz, that should do it as we recap this um Best of Garage Logic for July 6th, 2020. Want to send out some love to uh, Sioux Falls Development. They're online at SiouxFallsDevelopment.com. Fewer taxes and higher profits can all be found at SiouxFallsDevelopment.com. Thank you to Mike Fradloni and Fradloni's Ace Hardware and Garden Stores for all of your backyard needs. And we also want to remind you about PodMN on your smartphone or PodMN.com on your computer to find all of those Minnesota podcasts. You can find all sorts of great stuff, including the Minnesota podcast, Table Talk with Rookie's Family. Yes, it's a real podcast. I wish you'd give it a listen. It's a lot of fun. This year, or this week, we had a cabin version. Heading back and tuned forth from the cabin? Well, you're going to be surprised what you find on Table Talk with Rookie's Family. We'll catch you next time. Bruh.